Hey guys, today I am here with a very special guest. I'm here with a young man called Iman Gatsi. Good Thank you, you for being here. And Iman has built multiple million dollar companies in his life. Uh, he's building schools in Nepal and he is inspiring thousands of young entrepreneurs around the whole world. What's most crazy and inspiring about this whole story is that Iman is only 19 years old. So Iman, thanks again for being here. Thanks for doing this for everyone. And uh, the first question is, what's your story? Where are you from and what are you doing each day? Mm -hmm. So my story, and uh, by the way, off camera, we literally spoke for an hour. Yeah. And we were like, <laughs> we, like, we've been talking for an hour. We should probably start rolling the yeah. camera. But um, so it's going to feel like total deja vu here. But story, uh, as I told you, off camera, um, grew up, first, spent first few years of my life in Russia. Uh, grew up single mother. Uh, father was alcoholic abusive. So was basically never in my life. Um, and my mom was 23 when she had me. So was kind of raised first two, three years of my life by my grandmother. And at the age of three, we moved to London. And my mom and my stepdad, and my stepdad was a very wealthy businessman. So it was like this dream-like story. Like I literally came from a part of Russia where it was like nine black and white channels, um, no toilet. It's like the little like Turkish bathroom. So at my grandma's house, you like go out, you turn right, you walk like maybe like 20 meters, like past the chickens and like yeah. the cows, and then you squat and you do your business. Um, so I went from that to having 999 color channels Damn. and like a nice toilet, actually like three toilets in the house. Yeah. So um, it was meant to be like this fairy tale ending because as I said like this the little Russian village boy moving to London. Fortunately, it didn't quite turn out like that. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, as I said to you, like, you know, really by the age of 10, 11, 12, like I knew, I, I knew and it weighed on me very, very heavily that like I was going to have to be the man of the house. Um, otherwise, me and my mom were just fucked. Yeah. And that's exactly how it turned out. Like exactly, uh, you know, it, it's crazy how far into the future I saw at that age. And I think you and I share very similar backgrounds 100%. where, you know, we had this worldview from such a young age where it just like it seemed so clear to us. And I think, you know, certain things happen to you when you're younger um, that just force you to grow up. Um, so that's a little bit about my background. So from the age of 14, I think it was when I really started taking things seriously. I was like, okay, you know that you're gonna have to be the man of the house. Now let's do something about it. So first place I looked to was books. And you know, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, for four years, I read a book a week. Any given Sunday, you would find me in, uh, in London. If you ever go to London, there's a place called Brixton Bookmongers. It's the big one, right? Uh, no, no, no. So there's, for example, like there'd be a place like Waterstones. So yep. Waterstones is like a big chain and you'd get a book for nine pounds, 12 pounds, 15 pounds. And then that was quite expensive for me. So I would save up my money and I would go every Sunday and I would go to Brixton Bookmongers and you can get literally like, it was a used bookstore, but pretty much the books were like, some of the books were brand new. Yeah. They'd just been maybe read once or twice and I could get a book there for £2.50, £3.50, sometimes 99 pence. Yeah. Um, and this is all nonfiction. Uh, this is all nonfiction books. So I was reading about business, real estate, this, that, and that's kind of how I got started and how I expanded my worldview. And I just started doing what the book said because, you know, so many times you, you get piece of information, you get, 
you read a book or you get a piece of information, but you just, it sits in your brain. Exactly. Um, and it ends up kind of just rotting there. The books told me, meditate. So I started meditating. The books told me, go to the gym. So I started getting in, uh, going to the gym and getting, you know, learning everything about, um, you know, how the body works, how the body, um, different bo uh, body functions, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the book, the book started telling me everything about like habit formation. So even from the age of 14, I would write, I would plan out my next day the night before. And then I would also write out a paragraph of a reflection on that day. So I was just starting to stack all of these really healthy, positive habits. And it was around that time that I was like, okay, this is, this is cool, but I need to start making some money here. Yeah. Um, so around 2014, as I told you, I started doing, uh, I started flipping Instagram accounts. How old were you then? 14. 14. So I started flipping Instagram accounts because 2012, 2013, 2014 was really just the birth of influence marketing. It said that's how companies like Movement ended up selling for, you know, a hundred, you know, exiting for a hundred million. Plus I think they got a, another hundred million in stock options, if I'm correct. But yeah. anyway, the point is, you know, really what is just a glorified dropshipping business, you know, ends up selling for a hundred million um, is because of just the insane reach that they got through influencer marketing. So what I started to do was I started learning how to grow Instagram accounts and I started growing Instagram accounts. I would buy an account and I would flip it to a luxury niche because I said then I could sell watch promotions. I could sell exactly. case promotions. I could sell sunglass promotions and I'd make some money from that and then I'd then sell it on. So did that, made some good money, but it just got so saturated. It was ridiculous. Um, it got so saturated so quick. All the price of the accounts got driven down, the price of promotions, because once again, people are just undercutting each other. Yeah. Um, it got so saturated. So then from there, I had a good chunk of money and I've just kind of used that to fund my life for the next year. Uh, and now going into the age of 15, I'm getting super into the gym. Uh, I'm getting super into the gym. I'm getting, uh, I, I would basically reach out to people online and ask them to send me the PDF version. This would be like 150, 200 pages of um, level three qualification, which is what you need to become a full-time personal trainer. Yeah. Obviously I was 15, so I couldn't yeah. become like a qualified personal trainer, but at least I can learn uh, all the biomechanics, just everything um, that comes with being, you know, learn the difference between your thoracic, your cervical, your lumbar, uh, you know, different points in your spine. Um, so I started learning that and then I was like, okay, cool, but I need to sell this thing. So I started pitching all my friends' parents around the dinner table. Whenever I was at my friend's parents' house, I would sell them on like three month packages. Like, let me train you. Yeah. Uh, I'll do your nutrition. Yeah. Uh, I'll set up your macros, et cetera, et cetera. And I did that for a year. Um, and then I needed something a little high, more leverage, uh, a little more high leverage. So I started learning photography, videography. And from photography, videography, that is kind of how my agency was born because I had these one-off freelance things until I got to a point where people were asking me, so can you do this for us monthly? Like, can you handle the entire thing? Not only the content creation, but not only the curation, the content editing, but the distribution of it and the growth of our social platforms. And, you know, I'm leaving a lot out here, uh, but that's kind of how I started my agency. Uh, and my first ever retainer client was 2016, yeah. August of 2016. And at the time, I didn't know what a retainer meant. I didn't know what, you know, like the, this new kind of industry that was born, SMA, I didn't know what that, like I just saw it as like, I'm doing a service, which is, which is what it is. Yeah. You are doing a service for a person or a company in return for a monthly fee. Yeah. That was all it was to me. And you know, once I got that first client, I was like, okay, why don't I actually actively reach out to clients to try to get them? 
And I did that for six months and eventually I ended up getting my first sort of high ticket client, a company called Athlete, now rebranded to Genflow. Uh, They're pretty big, right? Pretty big, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's funny because I am actually, they were one of my clients and now I'm technically one of their clients. They're the people who do, from the gadget clothing line, they're oh, the people who the... do the distribution and uh, the shipping, distribute all the logistical uh, aspects of it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't wanna deal with that. Of course. Um, so it's funny because, you know, they were one of my clients and now I'm technically a client of theirs. Yeah. So it's kind of come full circle. So yeah, it's, it's a very cool, of life. cool story there. Yeah. And um, that is how I got into having an agency. And I had a creative agency and I was signing these, uh, these companies that had their series A, series B round of funding. I kind of had this very eclectic mix of clients. Um, and it was awesome. Like I would have retainers that were 2,500 pounds a month, um, 1,800 pounds a month. Just, three, just three as a fee, right? So they would just, just pay, yeah, yeah just, just profit, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because there was no, I was doing, I was creating the content, I was editing it. At a certain point, I got someone to start writing the captions, yeah, um, and doing the distribution. But that was that cost me three hundred pounds a month, yeah, uh, from Good a three K retainer. Um, so, you know, my margins were just ridiculous. And at a at a stage, I scaled up my agency very very quickly. And it, at the time, it was a creative agency. Really, now looking back at it. And I got to a point where I was making, you know, 10, 15,000 pounds very, very quickly in the space of literally like two, three months from yeah. signing Athlete, which was really to me when I took having, uh, took having an agency seriously. I was like, okay, I have an agency. Yeah. Like yeah. before I was just like, oh, I'm just like a photo video guy who yeah, like exactly. happens to have a, someone who I do this for monthly. But at that point when I signed Athlete, I was like, okay, I actually have an agency. Did you also realize like, all right, right now mm -hmm. I am making like steady money. This is not normal uh, standards uh, uh i don't know like yeah no obviously like the the biggest difference in your life in life quality is once you get from you know wherever you are now to 10 15,000 a month like once you start making 10 15,000 a month like your world just totally opens up to you yeah as you start getting into the higher figures uh past six figures a month multiple six figures a month like your life doesn't really change that much yeah exactly um you just like you just find like Kind of what happened with me was I just found stupid shit to buy until you get to a point where you're like, okay, stupid shit doesn't make me yeah, happy. Yeah. And then you just like, and then you just end up spending as much as you spend when you were making 15K a month. Yeah, exactly. Because you're like, this, this is just dumb. But um, yeah, back to, back to sort of like my agency timeline. Had my creative agency and it was awesome. I was making like 10, 15,000 pounds a month at the age of 17. That's crazy. But the issue with me is I'm a very blunt person. I'm a very blunt person. I'm obviously I'm very, I'm a very friendly. I'm a very nice person, but I'm also very blunt. And like I've, I never want anyone to tell me what to do. Yeah. Like that is like in in my life, I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. There's certain sacrifices that you need to take as a leader, as as you well know, having yeah. a company. Like I will always be the person who will work harder than my entire team. That will always if there's something that needs to be done, and you know I will do it instead of delegating it. If if you know that, you know, if I need to get my hands dirty, I'll do that. That I don't mind. That's being a leader, but someone else telling me what to do. That's a bit, that, that's a no go for me. Yeah. So while I was making all this money, it was great, but I felt, I still felt like my clients had control over me. Yeah. It felt like I was just looked at as a service provider, not just like an actual peer. Yeah. It didn't feel like they were treating me like a business owner. To, to be quite frank, I just felt like my clients a little bitch. Yeah. So I was making good money, but I did it. It felt une like I felt uneasy about it. And the main reason that was, was because, and there was a lot of, keep in mind, you know, I'm 17 at the age at the time, mature for my age, but like I didn't, 
I didn't have that, you know, the, the resilience that I have now as a business owner, you know, and, and just the, the self-confidence that I have, uh, you know, these days. So, you know, a lot has changed in that time in terms of, you know, from that point to here in terms of how I run my agency, also just the way that I carry myself. Yeah. Screams to my clients, okay, we're, we're peers. Um, and you know, these days with my agency, like my clients are on their best behavior. They treat me like a fucking king. Like my clients, my clients will never email me. My clients don't know my phone number. You know, my clients know message on Slack. Yeah. And if you message me anywhere else, I'm not going to respond and it's it's your fault. Yeah. Um, so, you know, long story short, I had a creative agency, but I knew that I knew that I needed to do something different. Because another big issue that was coming up was clients were like, this is awesome, but what's the return on investment? Yeah. I'm like, I have no fucking idea. Like, like what's the return on investment of your billboard ads? Like, what's the return on investment of the mag- 20K you spent to get in Vogue? Like, one of my, one of my uh, dental clients, that actually happened. Like, she spent 20K to get on Vogue. Never, there was no tangible ROI. Of course. So, I'm like, well, what's the ROI of all this stuff? Yet, you're not questioning any of these people. Um, so, that was that sat really uneasy with me. So I knew that I needed to start learning paid traffic. So I pivoted and it took me probably nine months to get it right. I pivoted from having a creative agency. So within the space of nine months, I had only a creative agency to only advertising agency. So only serving clients with Facebook ads. And at the time we were only doing Facebook ads. Now we do Google and Facebook. Um, So that's kind of how my advertising agency got born. Uh, And from there we just, niche down, refine down just the info product and e-commerce clients. Yeah. And then from there, I've just removed as aggressive. I just, every single quarter, I just aggressively remove as much complexity as possible from my agency to the point where now it's, you know, now in my agency, I'm routinely making 60, 70, 80, $90,000 a month profit. Yeah. Uh, July was my first ever hundred thousand dollar a month profit. Insane. Cash collected from my agency. And just to be entirely honest, like I worked three, four hours a week on my agency. Yeah. You know, not to say that you're going to make that amount of money working three or four hours. I took me years and years of building systems. And like, that's the other thing is like, I will look at other people working, just repetitively doing the same thing for, let's say a hundred hours. Whereas with me, like I'd rather spend 200 hours, but in that 200 hour build a system. So that way I can remove myself from it. And I, you know, that way, like. That's how I've got my agency as streamlined as it is at this point. Is just looking at every facet of the of the agency and just being honest with myself as to. And by the way, I'm sorry, I'm totally rambling here, but um, just being very honest with myself as to what the drawbacks are with having an agency. Yeah. Like it feels like a lot of people get into the agency space and they don't. They just accept the drawbacks. Like most people accept the fact that your 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 clients are going to be annoying yeah. you have to deal with communication and this stuff and i was just like no how can i try to um how can i almost just try to productize what is a service because day i'm in the service-based business having yeah. an agency but how can i make it as much of a product as possible and you also translate that in your education business right yeah. so your students that you teach yeah. how to how to start uh, a, a service business mm-hmm. uh or how do, how do i call it like an agency yeah right? an agency yeah. it's an agency i mean there's people in there that in Grow Agency, we've got we've got people who have advertising agencies, we have people who have creative agencies, we have people who have copywriting agencies, email marketing agencies. The point is that you have an agency. And you teach all of that. And w- what I teach, in terms of the actual service delivery aspect of it, we teach paid traffic because that is what we do and that's what we do you know, best. best. Yeah. Um, so I can go out there and you know, while I, I've written 
emails in the past, like I, I've written emails to my list that have made, you know, 50,000, 100,000. So I know copywriting, we actually do teach copywriting, but that's specifically for the Facebook ads. Yeah. Um, so my point is like, yes, uh, I'm a very good copywriter, but you know, we don't teach email, how to have an email marketing agency. Yeah, of course. Of course. So in terms of, if we look at having an agency, there's, there's lead generation, there's sales, there's operations, uh, communication, you know, there's these uh, team building and actually having a team, there's these different facets of it. I can teach any agency owner everything except for service delivery. Yeah. So I can teach anyone that's starting, wanting to start an advertising agency, how to, uh, you know, run ads for their clients better than anyone else. And I go into incredible detail on that. Uh, but if someone has an email marketing agency, I can't teach them how to do email marketing, but I can teach them how to just be, you know, in the top 0.1% in terms of agency owners in terms of the way that you run your agency, the way you hold yourself as an agency owner, yeah. your sales, um, as I said, the way that you look at your company's cash flow, uh, in terms of just having tight margins, tight operations, incredible service delivery, team building, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. So when, when I talk to you and when I see you, I see that you want to do everything as good as possible and yeah. that you really want to optimize for the best. And surprised, surprised I don't have any German blood in me. You, you have, you have I'm, what? Su I'm surprised I don't have any German blood in me. <laughs> Yeah, but so you're Russian, right? Mm. All Russian blood, by the way, hundred mm. percent. All right, that's cool though. Yeah, um, I'm more from Khabib's from. Sorry, you know Khabib? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really. It, my biological father is same bloodline as him. That's dope. So you should maybe do some MMA. People have said that I, if I ever got into a fight, I would get my ass whooped. Like, yeah, I really? go to gym and stuff, but <laughs> I've I've never been trained to fight, so I would get my ass whooped. But I would love to like learn uh, Krav Maga or something like that. Yeah, it's dope. It's yeah. very nice. You should. Yeah. <laughs> so so basically. You really translate this in your business mm -hmm. uh, on every aspect because what you were saying about removing as much as possible, mm -hmm. I really get fascinated by that because what you normally see is that people try to add on mm -hmm. and they just add, add, add. So you, you want to use a different app and you want to use another mm -hmm. method and you have to put in more hours. Mm -hmm. But what you're saying is that you, you have to remove aspects to make mm -hmm. it simple yep. and to remove the complexity, right? Yeah. Can you tell something more about that? Because it's very interesting. Well, I mean, the thing is, if you're, if you already have a successful business, so say for example, someone like you, like for you to get to the next level or for me to get to the next level, it's about elimination. Yeah. Um, it's, it's about elimination. It's not about adding extra stuff on when you first start and you've got nothing there, then obviously add some stuff in, take it's on some workload, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So for me, I, I don't look at it only in terms of my business. I look at it in terms of the other areas of my life. Uh, so everything is just, just everything is just streamlined. Um, I mean, uh, everything's just streamlined and I'm trying to build a system for everything. Yeah. Um, so just even little things like waking up, like a lot of people will just rely on waking up, you know, and I, I also have a system for every stage of life you're at. So for example, before when I didn't have a full-time personal trainer, I, I built out this incredible system for waking up because I would watch all these videos of like, um, you know, how to wake up at 5am, how to wake up at 4am, how to wake up at 6am. And like, it was just the, some of the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. It's like, get out of bed, put your hands up and say like, I'm grateful to be alive. It's like, okay, that sounds nice. Yeah. But when you wake up, your eyes are crusty. Yeah, like maybe you you're, like you're on low seat. Yeah. Like, do you really think that's going to fucking work? Like, so I built out a, so I, I looked at that problem in my life and I built out a system for it. And like, I actually have a, a YouTube video about it, like how to wake up at 5am. Um, and like the way that I used to do it before is I had one of those wake up lights 
So I used to wake up at 5.30, now I wake up at 6.30. From 5 a.m. to 5.30, it would slowly start to dim, uh, and, and the, the Kelvin of it, the, the color temperature of it, mirrors the sun. Yeah. So it feels like literally the sun is in your face. Uh, and then I'd use an app called Alarmy. So with Alarmy, like other alarms, like you turn it, you can turn it off. With this alarm, it doesn't, I, go, off. It, it doesn't go off. I have it set so I have to go walk all the way into my kitchen yeah. and then scan the barcode of my coffee machine. Yeah. Otherwise, it just won't turn off. So I would have that, and then other. I also built a, a system in just uh, just in terms of like, I never don't lay off my clothes for the next day. So just having those systems and those those sort of procedures in place, not only in terms of business, but in terms of like other areas of your life, is so 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 important. Yeah. So I don't ever want to think about like the, the the thing that kills people is is thinking. Yeah, is, is thinking and sort of that inaction. What should I do here? What should, what time should I wake up? Oh, should I wear this today? Should I wear that today? That is kind of what ease, uh, eats away at you. So I want to eliminate as much decision making as possible in my life. Um, and I want to eliminate as much decision making in my life as possible. And I want to remove as much complexity in my life as possible. So as you start to tap into higher levels, there's certain things that you need to get rid of. Um, and as workload increases, there's certain things you need to get rid of. So for example, in 2020, one thing that I'm probably going to get rid of is just like Instagram yeah. not get rid of my Instagram and like all of my emails that I write, I, I write my emails on Sunday. I send out four emails to my list. Those get re, uh, repurposed and post on social media, but I'm probably gonna have to get rid of just like posting on Instagram stories yeah. because like that's going to, you know, that's just one thing that I know I need to eliminate to yeah. move towards eight figures a year. Like that is something I need to get rid of. Another thing that I would need to get rid of is probably, uh, just once again, like aggressively lowering my screen time even more. Yeah. Another thing that I might need to get rid of is like in the summer, I played tennis twice a week. Like, yeah. Like I love tennis, but like, you know, growing up, I also wanted to like learn how to play tennis. So, you know, once I started making some money, I got a per, uh, instructor and that's all nice and stuff, but you got to remove stuff. Like in 2018, when I had the clothing line, it took 18 months from the clothing line um, getting started with it to it launching because... I went ahead, I went forward with it. And then three months in, I'm like, no, this is a distraction. Like I have to get rid of this. Like I have to eliminate yeah. this because I need to focus on hitting the goals that I've set for myself. So yeah, it's kind of a case by case scenario, but like every time that I'm running into a wall in my business, I'm like, okay, what is shit that I can remove and exactly. eliminate and get rid of? Whether that be, whether that be in terms of uh, automating it, whether that be in terms of, like, for example, like one thing that like Kieran always shouts at me for, who's my product manager, is like, I love to edit my own videos. Like I shouldn't. Yeah, like I love <laughs> editing. Like, yeah. I, you know, obviously because of my photo video background, like I love editing. Um, and especially when it's like, let's say like a very, like maybe like three or four times a year, I'll do a vlog. Like I love editing the vlog. Like, I, you know, I want to put it together. I want to put the timeline together, do the color grading, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but he's like, dude, you're, you're an idiot. Like the opportunity cost of you spending like two hours editing is like probably like Way 5,000, like 10,000 pounds. Yeah. Like you're an idiot. And I'm like, yes, I, I know. So, you know, there's certain things that even if you might enjoy doing them, you have to either delegate or you have to automate or the, I'd say delegating and automating it is, is fine. The thing that stings the most is when you just realize that some shit in your life, you just have to get rid of. Yeah. Cause like automating and delegating, at least you still reap the rewards from it. Other areas, other things like, as I said, like for some people, they're just gonna have to get rid of social media because it's weighing them down and it's, it's holding them back from the potential they could reach to. 100%. So if you could like automate or delegate social media, it's nice because you still get the benefits from it. But when you get rid of it, that's when you're like, like you're like, like, like I don't have, I don't have this thing in my life anymore. Exactly. But that's, especially as you start tapping into higher levels, that's the thing that most people have to do. They just, 
have to just get rid of it entirely. Do you feel it rich right now as well to just like, um, because, because you know, you post a lot of valuable stuff, mm -hmm. which I'm sure of a lot of people appreciate, mm. but do you think, um, do you think it will open new doors if you just kind of get rid of it? I think there's, there's a difference between like, say for example, like Instagram stories, which I, I love doing it. Also, I love doing Instagram stories because like people love to see like me, like, because I'm, I'm so transparent with everything. So people love to see like literally me on a client call, like yeah. me on, on a, a bi-weekly call with my clients. Like, yeah. like everyone knows who my clients are. Like I'm, as far as I know, I'm pretty much the only person who's ever made their client public, but I make all my clients public yeah. and I like, I, I get interviewed by my clients sometimes and like we do podcasts and like, uh, you know, like everything is just very, very public with me, which I feel as though people appreciate. Like it's, it's a, it's a um, breath of fresh air. The fact that like I have everything documented going back four or five years, every single client is documented and there's evidence and proof of every single client. So I think people like Instagram stories because it's like you get to follow along day by day. Yeah. But the thing with Instagram stories is, I have to do it every single day. Exactly. Whereas with YouTube, YouTube I will, I'll never stop doing because like at, at the end of the day, I can spend one entire day shooting and editing, which I should stop doing soon. <laughs> uh, but I've been like learning like Final Cut Pro as well because I, I used to use Final Cut Pro and then I switched to Premiere, uh, Premiere Pro and After Effects, but now I'm getting excited about uh, Final Cut Pro again. So I feel as I'll probably be editing my videos for the next few months. But um, that I could spend a day shooting and editing four videos and that's my weekly video done exactly. for the entire month. And I don't have to, and I can schedule that and it's all done and my team will do the thumbnails and, and the keywords and descriptions, et cetera, et cetera. And like, I don't have to think about that. And that's, it's there forever. So you yeah. have more leverage, right? Exactly. It builds upon itself. But my point is like, the main thing is the fact that like I can batch it all together and then it's done. Yeah. Whereas the things that there really hurt people is the things where you have to constantly like, for example, doing your email, like email fucking sucks or, or even just like, most people are so bad in terms of the way they do communication. Like even I know some agency owners, they will respond to every single Slack message straight away. Yeah. With me, I have a designated time where I'll respond to clients on Slack. Yeah. Kieran and Danny, who work for me, they need to respond straight away. If they're on their computer, because that's their job. My job is to keep my focus as much as possible and drive the company forward. And in order to do that, I need to be thinking in terms of systems. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think like social media, I'll, I'll probably get rid of Instagram or at least posting all my stories in 2020. Um, but YouTube, I'll still post on Instagram, but it'll be from my, yeah. from my, um, uh, from your email, right? From my email list. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's the other thing, like my emails, I do them on Sunday morning and then they're distributed over the week. Exactly. So yeah, I, I don't mind things that I can batch. It's just things that are come up, um, and you have to do every single day in the moment. That's the things that are, those are the main killers. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, not removing a lot of stuff is a big flaw. Mm -hmm. um, I also recognize in my own mm -hmm. life and in my business. And we mm -hmm. actually have a lot of troubles with this. So it's, it's very funny that you say this. But what are some more flaws that you see? Because you have a lot of people that are that are learning how to start an agency mm -hmm. and you see it firsthand. Mm -hmm. So what are some like real flaws that are maybe not even e easy to fix, but really key to grow as a person and as a business? Um, is this for people that are starting? Uh, let's start with those people. Yes. The main issues that people have when they're starting is mastering themselves. The main issue that people have uh, when they're first starting is definitely mastering themselves, mastering their own self-discipline habits, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just like, it's the unsexy stuff. Like people, like people always wonder like why, like I get asked sometimes like why you had such a good, uh, you know, profound level of success. 
um, at such a young age, I'm like, well, you see me at 19 and you see all these accolades, but then I was also, and I told you this off camera, like I was also a kid when I was 15 who was meditating in the school bathroom. Because it's just I, crazy, man. It's because, because I was building my agency or, or I had a photo video clients. So I had to do that at night and, and I was trying to get more photo video clients. And then I also had to go to school. So I was meditating in my school bathrooms for 30 minutes every lunch break. Um, so that's the shit you don't see or you don't see the fact that like, I can tell you guys that I read a book a week and you got, and it, you know, people know that, as I said, from the age of 14 to 17, I read a book a week, but it's like, but you weren't there at 1.37 AM when I know I have to wake up for school at 7 AM, but I'm like, no, I need to finish this book this week. Yeah. Like, like that's the stuff that people don't like realize. And that's, you know, I have its tattoo here, private victories. Like that's, that's the thing. Like people don't internalize the private victories and you see the public victory, but you don't understand the amount of painstaking private victories that went into it. So that is the main thing that I see with people who are first starting is just all the unsexy stuff. And why do you think people do not start? Because when you start developing yourself, Mm -hmm. Like after, let's say two weeks, you know that you're on a good path. You know, you just, you feel it, you see it in your results, Mm. Uh, not even in your business results because you know that's long term, but also in your personal life. Mm. Um, But why do you think people do not make the choice to start for themselves? Most people don't build uh, a positive feedback loop around it. Like that's the other thing that I see in terms of entrepreneurship culture, which I just think is like the dumbest shit ever is like. I see a lot of entrepreneurs out there who are like, like, for, for example, if you are building your first business or I see an agency owner out there and he tells me that he's working 10 hours a day, I immediately know he's full of shit because it's no, or like, like the, the number one way I know that like someone is just like a fucking idiot. It's just if they're like, Oh, I hustle. I grind. It's like building a business is such a, you're like a scientist. It's such a systematic approach. And also in terms of building your work capacity is such a systematic approach. Like for example, I was in Nepal, you know, two weeks ago, I was in Nepal for two weeks. My entire schedule was thrown off. My entire routines were thrown off because I was there with a the team visiting the schools. So when I came here, it's not like I got back into mode where like I, my discipline and focus is, is, is there, is there. And then I came here and I needed to start building up by stacking small little wins yeah. and building the positive feedback loop. So I literally came to Bali after my flight, my flight, I got to my villa at five, at 5 PM. I did one hour of work. I meditated for five minutes and then I read for 20 minutes, gave myself a pat on the back and gave myself a little reward. Um, I had an ice cream and, uh, and then what's called. And then once again, that, that builds the positive reinforcement. Cause I'm like yesterday I said I would do it. And I did something small. I did, I did an amount of work that was way smaller than I know I could do, but that's the whole point. You yeah. start by doing less than you know you can do, but it starts building that positive reinforcement. So you're, I was like, okay, cool. Yesterday I did what I said I was gonna do, and then I got a reward at the end of it. Um, and that, and you know, the, when I'm in full work mode in London, like I don't need to give myself an ice cream at the end of, of the day, or like I don't need to like reward myself with something. Um, the reward for me is just the momentum that I'm building. Yeah. But when you get, when you're out of routine and you get back into it, or you're trying to build discipline and routine, you need to literally give yourself a pat on the back and find a way to reward yourself. So even with the grow agency community with, with my students and whatnot, I tell people when you first start, you should not be doing more than four hours of work a day. Yeah. Like I'm like, you actively should not let yourself 
because you don't have the mental fortitude to. The way that I see it is that would be like if I've, you know, if you've never been to the gym before and you go into the gym and the way that I, I, I see the entrepreneurial space is most people are like, yeah, you got to hustle, grind, work 12, 14 hour days. And I'm like, that is like telling someone who is super scrawny, has never been to the gym, go to the gym for the first time and start by deadlifting 250 kilos. Exactly. It's like, no, you start off by deadlifting 60 kilos with good form. Yeah. And then you, you progressively overload from there. In the same way you have to, the same way that you, you progressively overload when you're in the gym, you have to progressively overload in terms of how much work you're doing. You're focusing on the form first? Yeah, exactly. You're focusing on the form first, making sure that you're working less, but when you work, your phone is on airplane mode in the other room. You, you have no distractions. You have notifications turned off on your computer. You know, you're listening to, uh, I recommend Brain FM, or you can use Brain Bino- FM, really? Yeah. That's my jam, man. <laughs> Dude. That's really my jam. Oh, oh. God damn it. <laughs> It's all right. I'm not wet. <laughs> you want to keep rolling? Yeah, man. It's okay. It's okay. It's easy, man. All right. <laughs> Put that there. So, obviously, Brain FM makes us pretty excited. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But um, as I was saying, you know, like most people, just the main thing is like most people sit down and they just don't do their work properly. I said they don't have things in place to make sure there's no distractions and they're optimizing as much as possible. Like even just little things like in the first work block of my day, just to kind of kick things into motion, I uh, burn incense sticks. Yeah. Incense sticks forces you to focus on your breath, focus on your breath, makes you present, being present helps you focus. Um, so just even just little things like that, um, all in all, you know, we all, we all like to think that we're good with multitasking and we all like to think that, okay, we can have so much stuff on our plate, but to me, until you can prove that you can have X amount on your plate and you can do it incredibly well, then don't try to take more shit on. Exactly. Yeah. So how do you internalize this? Because there are a lot of processes in making systems for yourself so you can win. Mm-hmm. And uh, that also takes, you know, brain effort. You have to think about it. You have to internalize it. But do you take like a moment a week where you really set everything in perspective and think about all of this stuff in order to make good decisions? Mm-hmm. I think the best time to do it is when you're on planes. True. I really noticed that 100%. I think the worst thing to have ever happened to um, sort of public aviation is Wi-Fi on planes. Yeah. Like, I just don't understand why people connect to Wi-Fi on planes. It's like, this is literally your time to unplug. Yeah. So um, plane journeys, I think, are amazing. Like, plane journeys are amazing. Pen, paper, and just start jotting down ideas. Start looking at areas of your life. I will always... Um, use a pen and paper or sometimes even just my computer if I'm doing long typed out sort of a uh, diary entry to myself and I'll look at areas of my life and be like what can I cut out what do I need to cut out what do I need to streamline and that's really my time to internalize things and what do you do like in the morning or like when you were just starting out because now obviously you're taking more flights mm. but back in the days when you were making those systems like what uh, do you do back in the day uh, really it was, it was like that was kind of what my Sundays were for my Sundays were for reading um, reading, looking at where I'm at and how I need to maybe repo- reposition some of my attention and whatnot, um, and just kind of disconnecting. Yeah. But that's the main thing. Like you can't reassess where you are right now and make changes unless you can disconnect, unless you can put your phone on airplane mode, throw it at the other side of your room, and spend three, four, five hours kind of just to yourself. Best thing you can do: leave the house, no phone, just walk. Really? Yeah. yeah best thing you can do, but bring a pen and paper with you because I used to do this all the time. That used to be my Sunday ritual. I uh, was walking, uh, no phone, 
walk, take pen and paper with you. As you start thinking and good ideas come up, you don't want to lose those ideas. So you can literally just stop and just kind of drop the notes down in your note, uh, notepad and just keep walking. Smart. Yeah, because most people are just going to walk and they're going to listen to music and think yeah. that they're going to like have some great epiphany. But no, you need silence. You need stillness. You exactly. need calm in order to have those sort of uh, game-changing epiphanies or those, you know, those those real um, shifts in terms of your, your worldview. Yeah. So um, when you started, you were pretty young and you got some big successes on a young age. You know, you were like... 18 and then you were already even 17 when you know big stuff was changing for yourself how did you handle ego in these days because you know young guy making a lot of money um i can imagine it brings some challenges as well and how did you handle that um i think it's tough like it, it's tough and it's something i struggle with to this day for me, I don't think ego is so much uh, a part of it. Any ego that I have, actually, then again, we all have ego. For me, I, I have a, I have a lot of, of self confidence, so I'm a very self confident person. But when I'm with other people who are older than me or more experienced in other areas and other facets of my life, I just shut the fuck up and I listen. Yeah. Like you know, for example, like I have a detox coach that I work with now, and he's thirty. I think he's like thirty one or thirty two, and it's like. I will just like we went to Iceland earlier this year, like two two months ago, uh, to do a collaboration, and like the dude's just so wise. So I literally just spent two days just soaking in that information. So there's just a downloading, yeah, just, just downloading that information because here's the thing: what a lot of people and this is, for me, I think getting success in life is hard. What's harder is keeping success. Yeah, and the most the reason that why most people fail or they or they get the success that they wanted and then they don't manage to maintain that is because they stop doing the things that got them to that place, uh, that got them that first success place. in the first place. Things like just knowing when to shut the fuck up and listen to people who are smarter than you. Yeah. Like, you know, maintaining your discipline, maintaining your routines. Like just because you're successful doesn't mean you can't stop doing the things that got you to that place in the first place. In the first place. Um, so there's number one that, number two there's the fact that like, I, I very just deeply internalize the fact that like what like what makes me better than another person and like for example Josh my detox coach if you put me in a room next to Josh probably the person who most people will be drawn to is Josh yeah even though technically you know on paper I'm a multimillionaire super successful very in our industry, which is quite small, very large social media following, 100%. all these accolades, like I have all these connections in all these different industries, ridiculous social circles, social life. Yet, if you put me and Josh in the same room, what, like, if you take away everything, who is probably more of a, a interesting character or a person that most people are drawn to energetically? Josh, you know, he's 10, 12 years older. He, he's 10, 12 years older. He's got just this open heart. He just has like, and you know, because when you're in business, because I'm thinking in systems all the time, my life is basically just building systems, stress yeah. testing them. A lot of time I'm very in my head, I'm, I'm naturally introverted sort of person. So for me, it's just internalizing the fact that like, look, every, like, like if you base your ego off of the externals, like all the shit in my life could get taken away from me tomorrow. Exactly. You know, I'm gonna do everything in my power to make sure that I am very, uh, very smart and very disciplined in terms of, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I'm, I'm looking at my P&L every single day, making sure that, you know, there's nothing that, that I'm, I'm basically 
I'm gonna make sure that I'm building a moat around me and my business yeah. so that I'm untouchable. But at the end of the day, like anything could happen. Like, exactly. Anything could happen. Um, so knowing that and knowing how many people have gotten success and then had it taken away from them, um, knowing how many people have had success and had it taken away from them, that's the thing that scares me. And I realize that the only thing, and I, I, I'm, I'm quite a, a believer in a stoicism. Yeah. Like, and then for me, like my self worth and my pride is exclusively based on how much self control do I have, and how much self control do I have, how much discipline do I have, and as I said, who I am as a person. If you take away everything else, all the externals uh, in my life, who am I as a person? Exactly. So number one, there's that, and number two, there's just the fact that like I've just met so many fucking douchey people in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, like that's why I don't really hang out with all, like. I don't, you won't really see me ever network with entrepreneurs and like, I don't, I don't go to any events. Yeah. Like I, don't, I don't go to like marketing events and business events. And like, I don't ha really hang out with other entrepreneurs in my space. Cause like, you know, like I, like, I, I don't like the whole, who has a bigger dick competition. Yeah, exactly. You, you know what I mean? Like, I just want to meet genuine people. And when I see people who have a huge ego, like, it's just a, it, you know, like it's a reminder to me to be, to be like, okay, no, like yeah. calm down, chill, chill out. And, um, yeah, just also the other thing is like, is it, for me, the main thing just comes back down to the fact that like, I don't think having external success makes me any better person because like, at the end of the day, you can meet someone, yes, technically you might have more social proof than them, more money than them, et cetera, et cetera, but like, in seek, it like, behind closed doors, they could be way fucking happier than you. And exactly. I would much rather, I have way more respect for that person than the person who is unhappy and is doing and you're putting in all this work as a crutch for the fact that they're not happy in their life. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th I think that's that's another thing that really weighs weighs heavy on me. Did your perspective also change like back in the days when you had less money, and right now, huh. if you look at money, because now money I think is more like a ver a vehicle, and back in the days you literally needed it to provide for the fam, and you know. Mm. So did that also change for you? Yeah, I mean, I used to have one thing that took me a long time um, to get over was I had a really bad scarcity mindset, like really bad. And I'm talking to a point where like I would be, and this is this is kind of from the age of like 14, like even though I'm reading all these books and whatnot, I would always be in a situation, even with like friends at the age of 14. Um, as I said, I had this very weird childhood where like, you know, moved to London. My stepdad was very wealthy, but like. Uh, my parents, uh, my, you know, my mom and my stepdad's marriage kind of fell apart. It was, it was very, just, like, I could write a book about it. It was fucking crazy, some of the shit that happened growing up. Um, but one of the, I lived in this weird purgatory because my mom was on uh, government benefits. Um, so, like, we were on, we were on bene uh, government benefits for years. So, I'm literally on government, like, the government's supporting us because, you know, my mom can't make any money herself. Yeah. Yet, I'm going to private school. Yeah. So... It's kind of I, weird. I lived in this very weird purgatory and that also kind of helped my ego thing because I saw so many of my friends parents who were ridiculously wealthy and we went to a restaurant and they would be rude to waiter and I'm just like that's not what success is exactly like that like that is not what success is to me so and so many of them were just unhappy and I'm just like okay cool you have all the shit but you're just fucking unhappy like yeah that, that in my person that makes you a failed a failed human you got a very very broad perspective early yeah. on because you kind of saw both sides both both sides of the spectrum i'm like I, I saw my friend's parents who were ultra wealthy and unhappy and then i saw my mom who was dirt poor and unhappy so i'm like they're the same thing yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah. it doesn't change yeah um so yeah you know that that definitely weighed on me but 
I was very lucky to kind of grown up in that situation where I had both perspectives. But you're right. Like growing up, my my relationship with money was more of a a need, like an actual need. Yeah. These days, it's a lot different. Um, and yeah, I, I do look at it a, a lot differently. My my financial situation. Yeah. And if you look at, um, if you go back in the days to when you were just starting, because you know, you, you gathered a lot of information, but putting that information to action, that's a whole nother story, you know? So what would be the tip that you would just imagine like Iman is here, but he's like, you know, young guy, very young guy. What would be the tip that you would give him specifically for you? Um, and you can, you can take a moment to think about it because this is. Like hard work. Uh, the, the thing is, I'm, I'm, I look back and I'm actually very, very happy with the way that I th did things. I get that. So like, I would say, which is what I did, just try everything. Yeah. And like push, uh, I mentioned this in a, in a YouTube video recently, like push the extremes. Yeah. Like, because you're right. One thing that I've always believed is you have to go through a paradigm to understand it. So like, I knew from the beginning, like literally from the age of 10, 11, 12, money won't make you happy. Yeah. But it's like, you don't really know that until you get exactly a lot of money. It's yeah. like, like it's so funny. Like I'll get people being like, "Oh, but like that's cool. You've all this money or whatever." Like, but like money doesn't make you happy. I'm like, you have reached the highest level of spiritual enlightenment because that is the the most pure and true statement. But you're not allowed to fucking say it. I'm allowed to say it because yeah. I've made I've made my millions. But like you're not allowed to say it because yeah. you haven't. So you're a hundred percent right. Money doesn't make you happy. But you're, you can't say that until you've been through the paradigm. Exactly. So I knew it, but I, you can't really internalize it until you go through that paradigm. Um, so that was something that I kind of had to go through growing up. But back to your question, if I could give myself a piece of advice, it would be to do exactly what I did, which is just try everything. Yeah. Because I said, you have to go through a paradigm to understand. Like I have done, like I've, I've been a digital nomad. You know, and travel like I think in in 2018, I, I traveled like I, I went on like 17 different trips. Crazy. Uh, in like 12 months, so, like I, I did a bunch of traveling, and I realized like, okay, I don't like that. And then I also went like deep focus mode, like didn't leave London for six months, like barely left my house, like just totally just it was this monastic focus on work. And like that was a little bit more like me. Yeah. But still, that wasn't I didn't 100 percent nail it. Not so my point spot. is like I think you should stretch the extremes um, of every single area of your life. Um, and just, you know, the thing is if you're young, which obviously I am like, go, go to Argentina, like go to Buenos Aires and like learn how to like tango for two years. Cause you fucking can like yeah. someone who I look at and I'm like, you did things so right was Tim Ferriss. He's crazy. Cause it's like the dude literally went to like, I, I'm, I give, you know, I don't know the exact, I don't remember the exact details, but I remember him like going to Argentina for like six months to yeah. learn salsa or tango or something like that and it's like and then he did that and then he's been to like uh, you know other area uh, you know other times in his life he's done this thing for and like mastered all these areas of his life because when you're young you can afford to do that if someone's watching this and they're 40 and they're broke no just focus on business like get your fucking life together yeah. you know focus on that but if you're young test the ex you know as I said push the boundaries um and and test uh, push the extremes because the thing is now I'm in a really cool position in my life where if I see someone who's super rich, I'm like, that's cool. But I know that that, that's, that doesn't tell me the full picture. Or if I exactly. see someone who's a, a digital nomad and this and that, like, I'm like, cool, been there, done that. I know what that's like, but like, I know the way that I want to configure my life. Or if I see someone in the club, you know, with literally like 20 of the most attractive girls you've ever seen, I'm like, cool. 
been there, done that, but I know that's not how I want to live my life. Yeah. I want to have parts of the, the club, club experience. I want, I want to have parts of the digital nomad experience, but when you have just such a broad range of experience, then you're just like a lot of people f- feel very uneasy with their life. A lot of people feel as though they look at other stuff, either on social media or whatever. And they're like, maybe I want that life because I've lived most of the lives and sort of most of the, the paths that I can take. I can now kind of collate all of that. And now that I live my life the way that I live it, I'm like, I'm, I'm, this is a byproduct of all the experiences I've had. And I'm, I've kind of set my percentages right. And I've set, um, I've kind of just set my environment right. And, exactly. and I'm living life without thinking like, oh, maybe dig- being a digital nomad is what is right for me. Maybe working 12 hours a day or 15 hours a day is what's right for me because I've tested all those, all those sort of lifestyles. Exactly. And then now I can, I can kind of congregate that into one. It's smart because otherwise you you actually just don't know what is best for you. Yeah. So at a young age doing this is a big plus. That's why I also think like going to Bali or another place, you shouldn't like do it for the coconut picture. Just mm-hmm. do it to just try, yeah. you know, just see what happens. Because the worst thing is if you're like 35 or 40 and you, you've built this incredible business and you, you're super fucking rich, but then like you're like, oh, but it seems like living in Bali is the lifestyle. Exactly. Or like you're like, Oh, but no, like I should have, I should be in the club with like all these like, beautiful women. It's like, and, and then that's when people kind of go off the rails. That's when people have like life crises exactly. where they think that the grass is greener. Exactly. But it's like, no, just, just if you try it early on in your life, then you know what, you know what every single lifestyle is like. Yeah. And, and you don't get blindsided by it. Exactly. Hmm. Do you ever think about where you will be when you're 29? So ten years from now, or are you just yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I, 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 I have, I have things mapped out five years, ten years, twenty years. In terms of the businesses that I have, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but like I, I think about myself at twenty nine all the time. Uh, financially, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to be in the in the nine figures at that point. Sick. Um, and that's not like you know, like you got like a lot of people who are like, oh, like I'm going to be a billionaire, blah blah. It's like, and and just totally come and and they live in their mom's basement. Yeah. And at like twenty nine, and it's like. Honestly, you definitely could be a billionaire, but like when I, like for example, I have wholeheartedly belief I'm going to be a billionaire, but that's because like I started so young, so I have the most precious asset on us. Exactly. Have, yeah. Which I feel as though, you know, ninety five percent of your audience have that asset too. Exactly. Which is like, if you're under the age of thirty, in my opinion, you're still so ridiculously young. Hundred percent. You have, you literally have the most valuable asset on earth. Um, so yeah, I think about where I'm going to be like at twenty nine, and when I think about where I'm going to be at like at twenty nine, like. I don't do vision boards of like this is what car I'm gonna have or this is what house I'm gonna have. It's like to me that shit doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. It's like your tastes change. So like, what are you gonna do at 29? Buy the car that you dreamed at at like 19. You won't even want that car anymore. Exactly. I think about me as a cat, like my character. Like at 20, I think about uh, me at 30, and I think about what sort of presence am I gonna have when I walk into a room? How am I gonna be able to communicate as a person? How am I gonna manage my team? What level of stress am I gonna be able to to cope with? Like I think about my characteristics at that age. That's, that's, you don't hear that very often yeah. that people say that, mm. but actually it's the, it's the key of the outcome. Mm. So what's very special about your philosophy is that you only focus on the input and all of your efforts go out to the input and the output, you kind of like, you just, you just take it very objectively mm. and you know what's going to happen but it's just because of the input also with optimizing your life. So I think that's very special to see because you, you don't, you don't only say it and do it, 
but you can also see it in your business. You know, you can see that age doesn't matter, place doesn't matter, birth doesn't matter. So it's, 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 it's just very cool to see. And on your profile, you have more videos about all of this stuff, right? Just optimizing yeah. business, etc. That's insane. That's really that's that's really valuable because how I see it is you're kind of the um, the proof of how it should be done because you see the outcome, but you also see what goes in. And what I would like to say also in your personal growth is just keep doing that. You know, keep keep sharing that if it's YouTube or Insta or whatever, but just keep sharing that because. A lot of people can really learn from it, and also like for me, you know, I also that uh, you know, I also have a business and stuff like that. But still, there are so many keys, you know. It's really, really valuable for all of these people, uh, and just keep doing that, man. Just really, really keep doing that. Um, so I have a final question for you, and that is, um, what are you gonna take with? your business and your personal life in 2020 and when is it going to be one of the key factors for you right now in your growth uh going into 2020 going into to be entirely honest i've i've optimized all the areas of my life that obviously there's more i can eke out but like i i have a very good i have very good roots and very good foundation so at this point in my life, I just want to continue to challenge myself. So one thing that I want to do in 2020 is actually live as frugally as possible. Like I was talking to my team and like we were in Nepal and I was like, next year, let's just be like ridiculously fr like Sam Walton type level. Yeah. Like I want to be like Sam Walton type like frugal. Um, cause I'm like, cause one thing that happens is I'm so responsible. I'm a very responsible person when it comes to money. Um, I'm very, you know, I know, I know corporate structure, I know every single tax, like I don't know any, any 19 year old that's more into accounting and taxes than I am. Like I love that sort of stuff. Um, so I'm very, very responsible with my money. But one thing that I feel is what makes you weak as an entrepreneur is if you let your lifestyle affect you. Yeah. So like even just little things like, you know, at this point in my life, I kind of only really fly uh, business or first class, um, depends on where I'm going. Now my next, uh, I actually have uh, some trips coming up. All my tickets are booked economy. Yeah. Because like I want to be able to make sure that if anything happens, because you just think at any moment, realistically, I don't think it's gonna happen. But at any moment, my company's revenues could just drop. Yeah. And if my expenses are still bloated, then like you have problem. You, then I'm fucked. Yeah. So I want to be able to like get to a point where like I'm so mentally strong that I'm like 15 hour like. And here's the thing, if I'm going to see a client abroad and I'm doing a two day training, I'm going to get a business, like I need a bed. I'm, I'm going to get a bed. I'm going to get there well rested, well arrived. But if it's not a hundred percent necessary, I want to challenge myself and I want to sit in a seat, an economy seat for 12 hours. Exactly. And like I have, and I'm going to have that mental chatter in my mind of like, this is uncomfortable. Why do you, and I just want to be like, just such a strong human yeah. that I'm just like, you know, like just be so present to the moment. Like I just make Eckhart Tolle proud and just so present to that <laughs> I could be like standing for 12 hours. It doesn't matter because I'm so present. Um, so that's the boundaries. One, so that's one thing that I want to do in, in 2020 is like push myself by being as frugal. Not because we don't like as a company, our margins are so healthy. Um, I mean, the agency's margins are, are nuts, like mind blowing. As an education company, I'm a little bit more bloated because we like to spend money if it means the students have fun and it's yeah. better experience for the students. So. That's one thing in 2020, I want to try and be as frugal as possible as a company to test ourselves, yeah. push ourselves. 
And uh, I've got some cool stuff coming in 2020. I want to grow my social media platforms in 2018. I, I really grew my social media platforms in 2019. I basically did nothing for my social media platforms. Yeah. They barely grew at all. Uh, I didn't really focus too much on 2019 social media. Um, so yeah, 2020, grow my social media. I'm actually starting a podcast. Dope. Um, so Kieran, who's my product manager, him, uh, him and I are going to have a podcast because I spend most of my time in a room building systems. I'm actually not very good on camera. Yeah. I usually like repeat the same thing like 12 times as you can probably tell, um, you know, sitting next to you, like you're an incredible conversationalist. <laughs> as I said, I, I'm a very, like, I'm, I'm naturally an introvert. Yeah. I'm naturally an introvert. I'm best in front of my computer being alone. When I get exactly. on camera, uh, I'm not the most well-spoken person. So Kieran on the other hand is very well-spoken. So we're starting a podcast that's gonna push me outside of my comfort zone. Dope. And as you said earlier on, it gets to a point where like money is not really gonna push you. It's like, how can you push yourself and how can you put yourself in as many uncomfortable positions as possible? And like starting the podcast is one. I'm writing a book next year. Insane. I'm releasing a book, um, which like people have asked for for like ever, but like, and I've always said no, because I'm like, it's, it doesn't make sense financially because I should be focusing on business. And even recently I've started doing things that may not make sense financially, but like how awesome would it be to have a book? Exactly. So I'm gonna be writing a book. Um, and I'm also going in February and March, two months isolation alone. Insane. Like no mom, no mom, no girlfriend, no, no phone, team. No nothing. No nothing. Just you. Uh, yeah, so I'll have Slack and stuff like that, but I'm literally gonna be alone in like the middle of the UK. Like I'm, I'm getting an Airbnb for two months just to be alone and focus on work. That's insane. Yeah. That's really dope. <laughs> I'm really, re really curious where you are in a couple of years, 10 years, 20 years. Um, and it's really, it's really beautiful how you, how you push this generation and how you're uh, inspiring people, helping people and just keep it up, man. Just really keep it up. Just keep doing you and not only me, but a lot of the entrepreneurs out there are following you along the way and learning from you with this. So I just really want to thank you for doing this interview. Um, and hopefully uh, you will also come to one of our events in the future because we do a lot of them back home. Uh, if people want to find you, where can they go? Super simple. YouTube, Iman, I-M-A-N, Gadji, G-A-D-Z-H-I. Best place. Easy. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I really want to thank you for this interview. Thank I appreciate you. it. And uh, have a nice day. Cheers. Thank I'll you. See bro. you, bro.